This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila. First up this hour, we look at the first sitting of the new parliament uh, that just happened over the uh, last two days and talk about what this might indicate for the government in the coming days. So the first parliamentary sitting under Prime Minister Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim started on the 19th of December um, and it was part of a two-day special sitting and a number of things happened, right? So the first day saw the election of the new speaker and deputy speakers. So Datuk Johari Abdul, who is a former PKR MP, was elected the new speaker with 147 votes. Meanwhile, deputy speakers were Ramli Mohammad Noor, who is um, MP for Cameron Highlands from BN, as well as Alice Lau, who is MP for Lanang from PH. So um, quite, uh, quite, uh, we're seeing some fresh faces and it's interesting to see so far, at least from Dato Johari, a number of interesting moves and, and um, decisions uh, that have been um, received to varying effect in Parliament. And other things that have uh, taken up a lot of attention include uh, the Prime Minister's vote of confidence, which was passed through a voice vote. So that motion was tabled by Deputy Prime Minister Fadila Yusuf, followed by a two-hour-long pretty heated debate between both sides of the bench. Um, and finally, uh, the Speaker announced that the majority of the MPs were in favour of the motion. Uh, meanwhile, opposition leader Hamza Zainuddin also uh, took up a fair amount of the spotlight. Um, he claimed that the MOU signed by the political leaders of the unity government was a threat to parliamentary democracy um, and said that this was because it demanded all MPs in the unity government to vote in accordance uh, with the Prime Minister. And he called the MOU, uh, quote-unquote, a gimmick. So he also, um, you know, was at the centre of a fair amount of ruckus, uh, raising um, allegations about the Prime Minister, for instance. And so that, I think, also is an interesting indication of what we might see in the coming days, in, in future sittings of the Parliament, particularly in terms of the dynamic between the government and the new opposition. Uh, meanwhile, the Parliament also passed a 107.7 billion mini-budget, and that will essentially serve as a bridge until Budget 2023 is retabled and passed in Parliament. And uh, this mini-budget is aimed at paying the salaries for civil servants and other government dues. So a number of things there, but in a larger sense, I think what we're interested in talking about today is what the dynamics between the various figures in Parliament, um, the, between the different parties and how they've been approaching uh, the various motions that have so far happened, what that might say um, in the coming days. What would Parliament and the government look like in the coming days? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we will be joined after this by Dr. James Chin, Professor of Asian Studies at the University of Tasmania. But in the meantime, Send your thoughts through as well. What would you like to see from our parliamentarians in the coming days? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bombing frustrated minds. BFM 89.9. It is just coming up to 5.12. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila. And we're talking about the special two-day sitting of Parliament that just concluded yesterday. And essentially talking about the dynamics that we saw happen, what this might indicate for the government and Parliament in the coming days. And so we'd like to hear from you. 
what would you like to see from our parliamentarians? You can call 777-332-900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Now on the line with us is Dr. James Chin, Professor of Asian Studies at the University of Tasmania. James, good to have you back with us. Good evening. So what stood out to you in this two-day parliamentary sitting? Well, I think um, there's really nothing that stood out, uh, given the fact that this is the first parliamentary sitting after the election. Um, I think what is important is that uh, there was a vote of confidence that was held, because as you know, right, the backdoor government that was formed in 2020 and 2021, both that government claimed to have the numbers, but yet the prime ministers at both times blocked the Speaker of Parliament from holding any votes of confidence. Now, the reason why the vote of confidence is extremely important in this case, and I think Anwar did a very good thing by holding it, is because there was a lot of question about his legitimacy to rule. In other words, he did not have the majority. So the only way to prove that he's a legitimate prime minister and that he had the numbers to rule was to go through a vote of confidence. And I think going forward, this will set a precedence as well. So if there's going to be any backdoor government being formed after this, I think all the parliamentarians will insist that at the first sitting, they will hold a vote of confidence. So I think that's a very, very good thing. So on a related note then, did the sitting then provide insight as to how stable the Anwar administration is going to be moving forward? Um, I think that's a separate question. So a lot of people were actually complaining on social media that, you know, if Anwar was so confident, how come no vote was taken? Um, I think you don't need a vote to uh, to be taken to, to know that he had the numbers because it was the same group of MPs who elected the Speaker. So the Speaker by proxy is Anwar's nominee. So the Speaker came out with 147 votes. And we know that the missing uh, vote actually uh, is from GPS Sarawak. So we have to assume that that vote will go for Anwar's coalition as well. So it looks like he does have the 148 or the two-thirds majority. So it's very clear in my mind that he does have the majority. So I'm not too worried about that. Now, in terms of uh, whether this coalition will hold together, I think that's a completely different question. And I can give you a sure, I, well, I can assure the listeners that this coalition will at least hold until the six state elections next year. I think that will be the barometer because one of the big issues, the one unresolved issue we have in Malaysia now is that whether the green wave, whether that's a real thing and the only way we'll find out is through the six state elections that has to be held next year. So I think the government will hold together until the state elections next year. And if the government does badly, you will create a lot of problems for Anwar. But if the government does uh, well, for example, this new Pakistan Harapan Amno coalition, whatever, Pakistan Plus coalition, if they do very well and reclaim the Malay ground, then the government will be very stable going forward. So we did see some heated arguments between Pakatan Harapan and Perikatan National MPs. And one of those arguments involved this term of uh, unity government and whether this meant there was an opposition at all. Could you help us understand where this is coming from and why it was brought up? Sure. I think for most people in the street, if you ask them and you ask them what is a unity government, I think the first thing they'll think about is that all the major political parties and factions in parliament will come together as part of the government. So in this case, I would probably call it a Pakatan Harapan Plus government because a major bloc, Perikatan bloc, 
uh, which holds more than 70 seats, uh, they're not part of the government. So uh, I think, well, all governments have the right to call themselves whatever they want. So it is a unity government in the sense that you've got representatives from Sabah, Sarawak, all the major ethnic groups are represented. So that's probably the reason why they call it a unity government. But I think most people, if you would ask them what is a unity government, most people would think that it's all about all the major political blocks coming together. So in this case, it is quite clear Perikatan has no intention of joining this government. In fact, they're plotting to pull down the government and take over the government. So it's not really a unity government. It's more of a Pakatan Harapan plus government. James, we do have a message from a listener, FZ, who wants to know, was the voice vote fair? Any thoughts on that? Um, you don't need a voice vote because, like I said, the vote for the speaker is a proxy indicator. Now, normally you will have a voice vote if uh, the opposition demands for it. In this case, the opposition sort of abstained for the whole thing. They didn't want to have anything to do with a vote of confidence. And this was made clear in the post-vote interview uh, by Hamza. So in this case, uh, it is also procedurally right for the speaker to call for a voice vote because nobody asked uh, for the actual vote. So procedurally, I don't see a problem with it. And as I mentioned earlier, because there was a vote taken for the speaker and we know that the speaker was nominated by Anwar, which means it's the same group of people supporting him. Uh, I can quite assure the listener that uh, Anwar did have uh, 148 uh, in terms of the numbers. So last week, the coalition in that National Unity Government signed an MOU and they pledged to support Anwar's administration in all matters of confidence and supply. Perikata National has called this MOU an unconstitutional document and they said that's one of the reasons they abstained from that voice vote. What does this say about how strong or resolute PN is going to be as an opposition? Look, that MOU is very much a PR exercise, in my opinion, uh, people have to realize that with all political documents, right, you can't enforce it. It's not like signing a legal document or SPA to buy a house. This is a political document. Basically, it's an agreement that we all see a similar issue in a similar way and we promise to behave in a certain way. So in this case, uh, they said that they all come together to support Anwar in two issues in terms of vote confidence and supply abuse. So in other words, they won't pull down the government. But again, it's a political document. So in the future, if any one of the parties who signed the document, if they were to pull out and do something different, nothing can be done. So in that sense, it is very much uh, just a, a, a sort of a gentleman's agreement. It is not a legal document. So I'm not sure why the opposition uh, got so heated over it. It could be they simply were looking for issues to attack Anwar. And it's quite clear that they were sort of scrapping the bottom of the barrel because uh, one of the stunts they pulled uh, you know, during the, the two-day parliamentary sitting was that uh, they tried to use an obscure piece of news from an unknown website or news site in Italy to try to attack Anwar. So we know that they're trying to grab the headlines. They're trying to you know, project uh, you know, their narrative that this government is not legitimate. It doesn't have the numbers. But unfortunately, the reality is that Anwar does have the number and because a voice vote was taken, he is the legitimate Prime Minister of Malaysia. Yeah, so as you mentioned, we did see a fair amount of ruckus, right, caused uh, by others as well, but more, I think most obviously by opposition leader, Dr. Sri Hamza Zainuddin. What might this indicate in terms of uh, the sort of approach he and his bloc uh, intend to take in Parliament moving forward? Sure. 
So I think on the opposition side, I think uh, they're also looking at next year's state election as the main barometer on whether they can uh, pull down this government. So I think we will see more uh, attacks or more speeches uh, that is sort of have double meaning. And what I mean is that they will attack the government and they'll drag up issues of race and religion because this is the same narrative that was used successfully during the first Pakatan Harapan government. So if you remember, during the short-lived Pakatan Harapan 1.0 government from 2018 to 2020, the reason why they fell apart, well, one of the major reasons was because AMNO and PAS used this very powerful racial religious um, uh, narrative that the Malays and Islam were marginalized. So in this case, I suspect uh, because of what happened with the TikTok videos and the Green Wave, uh, you know, Hamza and, and the rest of the opposition will keep playing up these issues in Parliament, hoping that this will help them to win uh, big in the state elections next year. Because, for example, there are six states going for state elections, right? You can imagine if Pakatan only managed to hold, say, Slango and Penang and then lose everywhere else, then I think a lot of question marks will be asked about Anwar Ibrahim's ability, not only to hold the coalition together, but to big Perikatan National and the next GE. So that's the reason why I said uh, the next year's uh, state election is really crucial because both sides are using it as a barometer for how long this coalition will last. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, newly appointed Day One Rakyat Speaker, Datuk Johari Abdul. He's described as a long-time Anwar loyalist. Do you think this might impact the perception of him uh, being Speaker of the House, being impartial and unbiased? Look, all the speakers of the Malaysian Parliament, by default, are close to the government. If you're not close to the government, why would they nominate you in the first place? So let's get real, okay? We're talking about political situation. And in terms of the parliament, right, there's actually rules and regulations of the parliament. So it's a question of how the speaker, uh, what do you call it, implement the rules and regulation and the procedures of parliament. It's actually quite detailed, the processes uh, in parliament. I think, yes, uh, in terms of uh, the speaker does have a bit of discretion, but I think the speakers cannot be openly biased to the to the uh, to the government or to the opposition because the other side will definitely complain on the floor of parliament, and this will make the speaker look really bad. So, for example, we know that the previous uh, uh, speaker uh, he received a lot of uh, flack for not allowing a vote of confidence to go through. And if you ask people around today, right, what do they rem uh, remember about the last speaker? This is the only thing they remember about him. So I think for the speaker, even though he was nominated by Anwar Ibrahim, he also has to be very careful about his own reputation. And perhaps he's also more worried about the reputation of the August House. And if we look at the deputy speakers, uh, Datuk Ramli Mohamad Noor of BN, as well as Alice Lau of Pakatan Harapan, what do we know about their track records and how they might play their roles? Uh, basically, the deputy uh, speaker's role is to support the main speaker. So the speaker, uh, for whatever reasons, uh, are not available, and then they'll take over the seat of the speaker. Look, I won't worry too much about this. I think it's a bit uh, you know, foolish to try to second-guess what they'll be like. Uh, parliamentary sessions will be coming up. I think really we can only judge them uh, through their actions. Uh, trying to second guess what they'll do or what they'll not do is really not a useful exercise for the very simple reason that all three of them are new to their positions. So it's better to wait and see.
And uh, just to close off, uh, since assuming his role, uh, Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim has already put forward a number of uh, structural reforms and institutional reforms. How do you expect to see him utilise the next parliamentary sitting to take these further? Look, uh, he knows very well the sort of the three top items he has to deal with. If he, if he, I mean, if he's serious about winning the elections and rolling back uh, Perikatan National's influence, he's got to concentrate on the healthcare. He's got to revive the economy. The economy is very, very badly hit during the COVID crisis. And thirdly, he really has to do something about our education system. The fact that our young people are influenced by TikTok videos and influenced by all this crazy social media stuff to believe that there are all sorts of crazy stuff happening in Malaysia and that social media can actually uh, help them to decide which way to vote suggests that there's something very wrong with our education system. So if Anwar Ibrahim is smart, and I'm sure he is, he'll concentrate on reviving the economy, doing something about the education, and of course, healthcare. Because I think uh, the Malaysian healthcare system, uh, there's a lot of problems with the healthcare system. If he can fix these three things, I've no doubt he'll do very well at the next general election. Not the state election, but the next general election. James, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you so much. That was Dr. James Chin, Professor of Asian Studies at the University of Tasmania, uh, speaking to us about the special two-day parliamentary sitting that we just saw. Um, And we've been asking you, what would you like to see from our parliamentarians in the coming days? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. I think we have time for some of the messages that have just come in. Um, Let's see. We have... Have Cheryl saying, too early to tell, not impressed with the new speaker. I wish the parliamentary sitting days will be added. So Cheryl, I think um, to be fair, this was um, a special sitting that was held for a number of different reasons. I think there was... It was intended to fulfill, uh, for instance, the passing of the mini-budget, the uh, motion of confidence. It's not meant to replace a full parliamentary sitting that will happen next year. Um, it had to do with the timing of the election and so on, as I believe. Um, too early to tell, I think, might be fair. I mean, as our guest mentioned as well, we have. Um, I think we need to wait and see um, what how some of these things might materialise over the course of the next few, um, next few months and years, to be honest. Meanwhile... Uh, Mizi says, I would like to see more maturity by all in the day one. Let the government come up with improvements for the country. Let the opposition remember that their role is check and control to ensure that there's no abuse of power and corruption. I don't want to see taxpayers' money wasted by unnecessary prolonged arguments and constant nitpicking that is counterproductive. Malaysian voters have shown maturity. Let all MPs also reciprocate by doing a good job to build the country. We're already facing a lot of disasters and economic woes. You know, Mizi, I think your um, your points are really reflective of a collective sense of um, exhaustion that certainly I've been hearing come come through from a lot of our listeners in the course of the last few years. Um, an exhaustion with politicking, an exhaustion with um, arguments and discussions that seem to have very little to do with bread and butter issues or day to day issues facing the rakyat, and instead more to do with one upmanship or, um, as as um, Professor James Chin said earlier, even bringing up issues of race and religion as a way to win votes in upcoming elections rather than to actually resolve um, issues that we're facing. So uh, maturity is a great call. I think I always... I always support the idea of having a strong opposition that does play that role of a check and balance. I think it's very important for a good democracy. Um, so 
100% co-sign. Keep those thoughts coming. Um, what would you like to see from our parliamentarians in the coming days? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. WhatsApp us at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio BFM eighty nine point nine. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.